Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast, where we go deep on the sport of gravel cycling through in-depth interviews with product designers, event organizers, and athletes who are pioneering the sport. I'm your host, Craig Dalton, a lifelong cyclist who discovered gravel cycling back in 2016 and made all the mistakes you don't need to make. I approach each episode as a beginner to unlock all the knowledge you need to become a great gravel cyclist. This week on the show, we welcome back Matt Cady. Matt joined us originally back in February of 2021 to talk about some bikepacking routes in Colombia, Costa Rica, and in his country of Canada. When I found out Matt was working on his most audacious route to date, I was excited to get him back. Today, we're going to be talking about the Great Northern Bikepacking Route that transverses Canada all the way from the West Coast in Vancouver to the East Coast. Matt talks about the tools he used to build the ride, how he envisions it to evolve over time, and how you can contribute. Super excited to have Matt back and look forward to you hearing the conversation. But before we begin, I need to thank this week's sponsor, Athletic Greens. I feel like an OG user of Athletic Greens. I've been using it for many, many years now, and it's easily the longest running subscription product I've ever subscribed to. I was thinking about what I love about AG1, and for me, it comes down to it replaces key health products all in one simple scoop. AG1 combines nine health products working together as one, replacing your multivitamin, multi-mineral, pre- and probiotics, immunity support, and more. This means AG1 does more for your body and saves you time, money, and confusion compared to taking multiple unique products. For me, it comes down to the simplicity of the routine of AG1. It's an effortless daily habit for me. I simply wake up, pack some ice into my athletic green shaker, put one scoop of athletic greens in, shake it up and down it, and I already feel ahead of the game. It's made from 75 of the highest quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source nutrients in the world. If that sounds good to you, head on over to athleticgreens.com slash the gravel ride. They're even gonna throw in a year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit via that link today. Remember that's athleticgreens.com slash the gravel ride. With that said, let's jump right into a conversation with Matt. Matt, welcome back to the show. Oh, it's good to be back. It's been too long. I know. I was I had to look up the date. I knew it was a while back. February 23rd, 2021 was when we released our episode. Oh, wow. Okay. So I think so it's going way back. And- just done maybe... We were talking about Colombia as well, right? I think. We yeah. Just, uh, yeah. We talked about a lot of the routes you were doing in Colombia mm-hmm. and how much joy and pleasure you had in exploring that country and how it, it should be on every bike packers list. And then we also talked about something in your home country, the, the BT 700. Yeah. The, uh, the big bike packing route that kind of kicked off the bike packing scene almost in Ontario. Um, there's been others, but uh, yeah, that keeps on getting bigger every year. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah, that was cool to hear offline that it had, mm-hmm. it sort of just continued over the last couple of years and the, the Grand Depart continues to grow. Yeah, I think uh, this year, so it's the third week of June and there's about 120 riders signed up so far. So we'll kind of see what the final total is, but 
everyone seems to have an appetite for those butter tarts on the route. <laughs> <laughs> and to, to be specific, just for the listener, where where is that? Where does the BT seven hundreds kick off from? A little kind of town called St. Jacob's. So no one, 99% of your readers, uh, listeners won't know where that is, but it's kind of south, southwestern, south central kind of Ontario and kind of focuses in on that. So um, the whole route's kind of maybe a couple hours from like Toronto, which is like the massive city in Ontario. So a lot of a yeah. combination of backcountry roads and gravel roads and single track. Yeah, it sounded beautiful. And I'll kind of refer the listener back to that original episode, just back in the feed, you can find it. It's still live out there in the world where we dig into that a little bit more and a little bit more into your background. We'll save that for uh, back listening for the listener as well. But suffice it to say, you've been passionate bike packer for quite a while now, have had a bunch of routes published in some of the bigger bikepacking websites and um, really put up some super interesting routes and a lot of super valuable information actually to bikepackers who want to pursue routes in the, in the, you know, the areas where you've ridden before. Yeah. I think once you, <laughs> it's almost one of those things when you start making routes, it's hard not to keep going <laughs> for better or worse. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of more time planning routes maybe than actually cycling them, which is, can be problematic. <laughs> <laughs> which is probably a good segue into what has to be the most ambitious route that you've ever thought about trying to piece together. Why don't you tell us the name of that route and just a quick snippet of the vision and then we'll get into it because it's such a big, big idea. Okay, so the route I've been working on for a little while now is called um, the Great Northern Bikepacking Route. And it goes from one side of Canada to the next. So it's definitely not a weekend ride. <laughs> and a not a, definitely not a weekend. <laughs> I mean, that weekend. Just, <laughs> just looking at that map at the Great Northern Bikepacking Route.com. I mean, obviously, like I understand the breadth of Canada is the same as the, the width of the United States, but it it's just a, a massive chunk of territory to cover. And so I'm curious, like, well, one, what, why? You know, I guess transcontinental cycling has been around our entire lives, mm-hmm. but why create an off-road route across Canada? Was there a similar route in a different country that you had kind of thought, well, that's cool that that exists and why aren't we doing it this way versus that way? I think it all kind of started with there's been a lot like cycling across Canada has always been like a thing. A lot of people have done it because, you know, Canada is the second biggest country in the world. There's an alert to like going from coast to coast. And the problems I've kind of seen with that is being the riding at times cannot be that great. So a lot of the routes have been or the, the trips have been what I've heard people describe is it's a lot of road, um, probably a little heavy on, you know, pass and rail trail kind of more than what I'd like to ride, <laughs> you know, endless yeah. miles of rail trail. It can get yeah. a little monotonous at a time. So I've never even thought of riding across Canada, to be honest. I was like, if I'm ever going to ride a long distance one, it's going to be the divide trail or um, any of the longer ones in Europe or just, you know, ride across 
I'd actually rather ride across America. Like it sounded like a little more interesting. And then I was always like, okay, well, there's all these routes now coming on board for in Canada, like on di all the different provinces. For example, in here in Ontario, we have um, more than 4,000 miles of connecting bikepacking routes now. So you could, you know, spend an entire wow. summer just riding around on all these routes connecting to each other. Um, so these are all coming on board. And then I was thinking to myself, well, there's not really anything coast to coast in Canada yet published. I mean, people have described themselves as doing bikepacking routes across Canada, but it's only their own rides. And there's nothing, it's really hard to follow those because they haven't really published them anywhere or some of them don't even upload yeah. kind of their rides. So there's nothing like that. And then I started to see a trend where people, there was like people crossing like British Columbia, like more on using the bikepacking routes. And then- Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, in the US we have a bunch of like, trans norcal trans georgia like these routes that are just across a part of the united states in the form of a specific state yeah exactly so that kind of got me inspired to see if i can actually start linking these up um and then i had a, some friends that did a big trip in british columbia going from one part of british columbia to the next so i was always really interested in doing that and then I was like, well, what happens if I try to like just piece something together and camp like through British Columbia? So that kind of came on board. And then I just ended up finding that the energy and time to try to link it all up. And next thing you know, I was <laughs> already on like the East Coast with this like linking network of trails and single track and forestry roads, some pavement, of course, where you have to use it. And I just, I was amazed that it could all actually kind of link up. So the end product is, I think, eight, eight, it's about 8,700 miles. Um, and how many well, segments have you divided that up into? Yeah, that's a great question, Greg. Uh, it's 10 provinces. And I'll, we can talk about this more. There's also one US segment on it as well. Okay. Um, so what yeah. I've done is... Yeah. Instead of like just putting up one massive route like that, I've broken it, yeah, broken it down into the individual province and state segments um, for a number of reasons. A, because <laughs> if you plot a route that big and ride with GPS and try to connect it, it's just too big for really <laughs> any devices yeah. to handle. And I also wanted to make it a route where people could kick off or um, tick off chunks at a time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting yeah. approach. I might have mentioned to you offline, mm -hmm. I have a friend who's been working on the Tour Divide route and he's mm -hmm. never had, whatever, 30 days to dedicate to it from beginning to end. So he's gone out there for a week and you know, done a, the first section and done the last section and he's piecing together ones in the middle. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's a great approach. I mean, for someone to do this entire route, and I'm, I know like in a couple of years, someone who will, because it's just out there and there's always crazy people. Um, but to do the great Northern bikepacking route all in one, it's, that's like, that's a four, three, four month project, right? That's, yeah, that's being unemployed <laughs> or retired or, or something like that. But I can definitely see where now people are going to have ideas for, oh, I never thought about, um, cycling across the prairies of Canada, like Saskatchewan and Manitoba 
and things like that. And once these routes get finalized, people are going to have kind of that reference point that they can use. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned kind of connecting with friends in the bikepacking community who were doing cross province routes at the end of the day, did you manage to connect with locals in each province and kind of build out the connective route to go all the way across or have you kind of gone out and, and, you know, undertaken a process to find the routes across some areas? Yes. That I think has been the big project. So what I, I think, how I approach this is, okay, I'm going to just, you know, see how, how I can plot things. And then what I've really done is exactly what you mentioned. I've tried to reach out to like local riders in the different states and the provinces um, to try to get input. And that's where like things like the Facebook groups can really help. Like I can post on the, you know, Bikepacking BC website, uh, Facebook page, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. I have this route as part of this massive project. I'd love to get people involved. Does people have any input and this has been hugely valuable. Like people are so passionate. They love like geeking out on rooting and looking at yeah. plots. And I've learned so many, I was like, Oh, I never even saw that. That's like a great idea. Or, um, or, you know, this definitely, you can't go through here. I'm like, okay, I won't, I don't want to, <laughs> it's a, over yeah. 8,000 miles. I don't want to send people down six, you know, 200 miles of a wrong way or something like that. Um, yeah, and no, I think that's yeah. such a valuable approach. And I, I, I kind of wish there were even better collaboration tools out there. And I consider this discussion part of that call for collaboration, hopefully, to other bike yes. packers in the US and Canada who may be familiar with some of these routes. So I, I think from our earlier discussion, you had been using Ride with GPS as the kind of platform for building. If you get some, you know, you've put out the BC route out to people in the world. If they look at that file and they say, hey, Matt, I think you've missed something here. Like this, this section's really shitty and maybe you should go a different <laughs> route. How, how do you go about making those adjustments? Is that easy on, for you? Are you adept on Ride with GPS enough to kind of make those adjustments? Oh yeah, that that platform is like flawless for that. It's just so easy, the editing tools. Now, I would have to say if it wasn't for something like Ride with GPS, I don't think a route like this could possibly exist. It's just, it's so complex yeah. to try to piece it all together. But um, I know there's other, there's other plotting platforms out there and GPS platforms out there, but I just find Ride with GPS so user-friendly. They have an incredible you like uh, customer support. Like I can ask a question yeah. and they get back to me. No problem. Yeah. Uh, that's not going to happen 100%. with Strava. <laughs> and yeah. um, so it's really, it's, it's really easy for me to make changes on the fly and pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, you certainly hear about that in a lot of bikepacking events that they have to change their route year over year, just because of environmental changes in the route and things that don't go through that used to go through etc. So it's super important to be able to both mint a route so you can put it out there, but also be able to adapt it. So someone going in 2024 can get the, the latest information about what's working in an individual province. And that's, I mean, that's bikepacking. You're always pushing the limits. So there's going to be changes you have to make. It's not just, you know, pavement's pavement. Pavement is so predictable for the most part. But when you're trying to send routes down foresty roads or you know, kind of like unmaintained roads and single track sections, that stuff's always going to be kind of fluid. So having yeah. the ability to make changes easily is 
so paramount and important <laughs> to being able to have a, a viable route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe in your past, you've both used drop bars and uh, flat bar bike packing setups. When you think about the terrain across Canada in the Great Northern bike packing route, mm-hmm. were you envisioning a, a specific type of equipment or setup? What kind of expectations should people have across each province to make sure they have the right gear selected? Yeah, that's it's, this is a tough one. There's no perfect bike for a route like this. I mean, there's be sections where yeah. you'd be totally fine on a, a typical gravel bike, you know, 700s by 38s or something like that. Wheel setup, tire setup. Um, but I was envisioning definitely uh, something that's a little more pushes the limits and more a little more burly. So if you went on, say, yeah. bikepacking.com and looked at the rigs of the divide, the you know, the Tour de Divide race or, you know, the Moroccan Atlas race or even like the Silk race. If you saw like what those guys are riding, that's kind of what I would suggest and envision for this route because it's just, okay. it's, I wanted, <clears throat> I wanted to like, re-envision what a long haul route like this could be. So there's definitely sections, you know, there's going to be trail sections. There's going to be rocky sections. There's going to be like some really, really like white knuckle descents probably. Um, so I think on the whole, you want what's most comfortable long, like the yeah. long term. Like I just, to do this on like a, a stealth gravel bike, like for 8,700 miles, I think you'd be, <laughs> you'd be like calling for the the help at some point <laughs> for a new bike. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting over the years to see like how people work through the problem and challenge mm-hmm. of this route in terms of equipment. And obviously if you're doing it section by section, potentially you make differing tire choices or even bike choices depending on the section. But for, for whatever lucky individuals take that time off and try to crack the whole route, it would be interesting to yeah. understand where they end up equipment wise, but exciting to me that, you know, in your mind, you wanted to create as, as big of an adventurous route as possible across the provinces, because I think that's where the most exciting experiences occur. Oh yeah. I could have, I mean, there's so many places where I could have uh, just pressed the easy button. Um, For example, like Quebec, the province of Quebec, it's probably our most bike friendly province in all of Canada. They have a huge network of, you know, kind of rail trails and um, different kind of cycling routes. But there's also like incredible vast wilderness, like, you know, um, you know, barely there kind of forest roads or, you know, little used forest roads that go through a lot, lot more wilderness area. So I thought, you know, for a route like this, I think those are the ones I wanted to like focus more on. Um, and then, you know, in the, in the, I think in the future, there'll be the route will have more alternatives. I'm like, okay, so if this 300 kilometer stretch of, you know, remote Quebec riding isn't quite for you, then here's the alternative, like something a little more manageable. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I spent five days on the Oregon timber trail on my mountain bike. And one of the days we just needed to get from point A to point B a bit Mm -hmm. faster. And so we took a detour and we did what we needed to do to condense the trip into the time we had, which got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I can't imagine anyone following this entire route 100%. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be yeah. times where you just have to do something different. And that's totally yeah. fine. <laughs> this yeah. isn't a, this is not an FKT probably type of route or something like that. <laughs> so. 
When you think about crossing the country of Canada, and we'll get into this section in the U.S. in a, in a bit, um, how remote, you know, are the, is there a province that sort of stands out as being like the most remote or the most challenging along the way? Uh, well, I would say the most challenging, it starts right from the start, like on the West, the British Columbia. It has the most um, elevation gain, you know, the most kind of challenging terrain. There's no doubt about it. If you get out of BC and you're pretty good, you're, <laughs> I think you might be good to go. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think that one is, I think the BC section is uh, 1500 miles um, and a hundred, I mean, this is all approximate right now, but I think 131,000 yeah. feet of elevation. Wow. Something okay. like that. But you're going to see everything. I mean, you could do, you could ride from Victoria where it starts to, you know, Banff, like kind of, that's on like the more of the Alberta kind of British Columbia border around. Um, not quite. But anyways, and that would be, I would say that could be a bike pack or gravel riding adventure of a lifetime. Like you would just see every type of terrain you possibly you could kind of imagine um, through the southern part of that province. Yeah. Yeah, that's the yeah. one, the one province that I have any personal familiarity with, yeah. and it's so so gorgeous, and yeah. I can only imagine what riding through there would would be like, and all the different terrain you'd experience. Yeah, and they have such amazing trail networks, like single track and double track, kind of. Yeah, um, I mean they have the wilderness to play with that, which is great. Um, but I have to say one thing I've also kept in mind with this i didn't want to make it where it was like you need massive backcountry skills to be able to do this route so i don't think there's anywhere over much more than like 150 miles let's say between a service or something like that okay so it's not like you need like really really savvy kind of skills to be able to to do the route that way you're not like in the backcountry for seven days like there's parts of canada where you can go canoeing and you're not going to see anyone for two months <laughs> so my goal yeah. wasn't that at all. I want to a little make it a little more yeah, approachable. It's definitely, <laughs> you know, in my minimal back bike packing experiences, like that, that's huge, right? To know that you've got some safety net somewhere. It might be pain, a little bit painful to get there, but the idea that you're not out in the middle of nowhere, it's just, it just gives you a little bit more of peace of mind if you're a novice bike packer. Yeah, I think, I mean, if at the end of it, you feel like you've done something totally crazy and totally wild, but not like too like remote and wild, then I think that's uh, it's going to be an amazing adventure. Yeah, for sure. As you, and I know this is a difficult question to answer, I imagine with 10 provinces and lots of highlights, but if you imagine, you know, a few years from now when, when a handful of people or more have done this route, what do you think are going to be the, the, key areas that they highlight. We talked about the beauty and potential excitingness of the trails in BC. But when you think about the route in totality, is there is there a point where you're crossing something that's just going to feel so momentous that it's going to stick in your mind? Yeah. In some ways, I worry that you know maybe BC would be better in the middle because it'd be like, because <laughs> British Columbia is just so incredible. And the Rockies into Alberta, like that's just like, it's always like postcard scenery why, you know, <laughs> out there. Yeah. Um, but I think what I want people to remember, I think what some people can remember is like the prairies aren't quite as boring as they might think. You know, we've tried to yeah. plot stuff through, you know, more parklands and more trail systems out there. And 
And then I think it's just how varied everything, because like, you know, you get into Ottawa and Quebec and you have a lot more, I mean, sorry, you get in Ontario and Quebec and you have a lot more, you know, forestry, forest type of riding and kind yeah. of more of the back roads. And then you get into the East coast of Canada and you get a little more rugged again and you get the East coast hospitality, which everybody raves about like the nicest people in the world <laughs> kind of live out there and you get amazing again. You, and then you get some amazing coastline scenery in Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island and New Brunswick yeah. and those areas. So I think it's just, so it's going to be so varied. And I think that's what the, you know, the plus of this route is going to be. Yeah. For. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing, right? You, some of the terrain is exciting and challenging and that delivers a type of experience, both emotionally and physically to you as a rider. And then there's something to be said for those long stretches where you shift into more of a meditative state and you're appreciating the slow slowness of the prairies and just everything kind of unfolding slowly. It's a different kind of mental experience that I think all riders should experience at some point in their life. Yeah. It might be, I mean, I mean, there's going to be times where you're crossing the prairies that you're going to be like, Oh my God, just shoot me. <laughs> Maybe, you know, if the wind isn't, you know, the wind's not in your favor and like, there's not a lot of shade and it's hot and stuff, but you know, when you get to the East coast, you're like, Oh, you know, you look back and favorable at that, at those kind of, you know, moments out there because now you're in somewhere completely different with its own challenges like now you're you might be somewhere in the forest where the mosquitoes are you know eating you alive and things like that and you're like oh i wish i was out in the open prairies again <laughs> let's talk about when and why you drop into the united states okay yeah so this is a bit of a controversial aspect of the route because i can't really call it a trans canada bike ride um so if you look on the map, there's a big stretch of northwestern Ontario where really the only option is on the main highway. Uh, there's a few probably kind of like logging roads and everything, but they're not well mapped and you don't know where they go. And you really, you'd really have to be figure it would be really struggle to piece that together, like really, really hard. And it might change all the time. So the trans, the cross country Canada routes always had to take this main highway. And it's always been the worst part for the riders because it's one main highway. You wouldn't think in northern in a northern Ontario be that bad, but there's a ton of traffic, a ton of like big haul trucks and also RVs, like yeah. traffic people crossing, you know, going on vacation crossing Canada. Um, so it's always been a really issue, and one of the reasons I would never, I would had no desire to cross Canada on bicycle. Um, but then when I started looking at it more, I was like. Like, why does it need to stay in Canada? It could dip down into the United States and bypass this problem area. And, it, you know, and uh, yeah. instead of the highway riding, you now have your typical bike packing terrain. You have forestry roads, gravel roads, a little bit of pavement, and also some really fun single track sections. Um, so, yeah. So just as you're getting out of uh, Manitoba, this is where we go into Minnesota and then a little into Wisconsin and then a big stretch through Michigan to get back to Ontario. Gotcha. Yeah. And if you, yeah. you looking at the map, you're sort of, you're, you're piloting your way through and around some of the great lakes there. Yeah. Yeah. And what was really helpful is that um, there's an organization called Bikepacking Roots and they do some really great bikepacking initiatives in the United States and they have a really excellent route 
in uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and some of Michigan called, uh, I think it's the Northwoods route. Um, so I was able, you know, I could just plug that in. I mean, there's, you know, that's already there. And Michigan's got a huge bikepacking scene. Like, um, there's been a lot of locals who've helped me out a lot there as well. Um, they just have yeah. a lot of terrain for that. That's great. Are there, are there areas or provinces where if this was an opportunity to call out and ask for help or more information where you feel like, Hey, maybe you, you haven't gotten enough voices to the table. What areas would you call out? Where do you need help and how can people contribute? Uh, I think the biggest, maybe actually the East coast of Canada. I just think it's been, um, that this type of riding is kind of newer to them. Um, so they don't quite have, you know, BC's got a huge network. Ontario now has like a massive bikepacking network. Quebec, you know, has one as well. But uh, some of the provinces like Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, uh, Prince Edward Island, uh, those are probably going to need a little more kind of fine tuning. But I think, you know, that's one of the goals yeah. of this route is to bring this kind of scene out there as well and show that, you know, there's some really great terrain to be ridden on the East Coast of Canada as well. Yeah. Let's but if anyone's listening, very I can need Eastern... that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, yeah. just to be Reach clear, out, yeah. Matt, how should people, how should people contribute if, if they're interested in talking to you? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, probably the best way is just to go to the website. So it's greatnorthernbikepacking.com, which I'm, you'll have in the show notes. And then just through the contact yep. page, just uh, reach out. Okay. Perfect. Because it's a so work in that, progress that, for that, sure. That's very, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I love it. Like the fact that you've built out this website, you've put up a bunch of the route, and now you're out there continuing your just request from local riders to contribute to the route to continue to build it out. And, and, you know, ultimately I would imagine you end up with this great resource hub so that anybody approaching any one of these sections can come to you and find the most up-to-date information about how the route rides and, you know, anything they should be looking out for. Yeah, that's, uh, that, I mean, it's the end goal, but I mean, you can't rush this. It might take a couple of seasons to get it totally, I think you could ride out, ride the route from one coast to the next right now. And, you know, 90% of it would probably be pretty good, but then maybe 10% would be, wow, let's, uh, let's do something else with that part for sure. But <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at the, the sort of final two easternmost segments. So is that in Nova Scotia and then an island at the end there? Yeah, there's Newfoundland kind of the, the, the end point. Okay. So um, there was already a couple of routes there. So they've been there. It's a bit of a rougher, a rougher ride through Newfoundland. You want fatter tires on that one for sure. Um, but yeah, that's where the route ends. Um, someplace called Signal Hill, just out St. John's, uh, Newfoundland there. And uh, Newfoundlanders are known to be, again, as I mentioned, some of the nicest people you will ever meet. I've been out there and I can attest to that. So it's a great way to end your massive journey <laughs> but, <laughs> dip yeah. your tire in the water and call it done yeah <laughs> hopefully before <laughs> the snow flies <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah um, this is amazing i mean again i reiterate that i love that you're putting this up there and out there it's one of those things 
you know, we were talking a little bit about offline about the amount of time one has in life to go pursue these things. And I definitely have talked about on a number of occasions, my hope that someone's going to put up a, a North to South bikepacking route through the state of California. Cause I think it's, it's ripe for it. I, one of the challenges has been, I haven't had time to shepherd the process as you have, like, you, you know, you're well adept in ride with GPS and you can kind of move things around easily. We do need a champion for that. And, you know, my sort of understanding of riding North to South comes from riding down the Pacific coast highway on the road, which is achievable in five days, let's say from San Francisco to LA. And then all of a sudden, once you start going off-road on the coastal range, you're doing so many long internal climby detours to stay on the dirt. You can spend five days and not find yourself much further south than Monterey, California. Oh no. Yeah. It's a totally different ride, I believe. Cause I've done that West coast. I've done that coastal road ride a long time ago as well. It's beautiful, but yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I, I can definitely see there being a need for that North to South, like dedicated yeah, bikepacking route. Yeah. I've definitely had a number of people like say they're interested in it. And we definitely had a thread in the ridership from time to time talking about it and piecing together routes and, some of it, there's bikepacking routes that have been popularized and published here for you know San Francisco to mm-hmm. San Jose. And I think it's fairly obvious, like how do you get to Monterey? But once you get south of that, you're kind of either going inland, which I think is the more obvious way of handling it and maybe finding more continuous dirt routes mm-hmm. and then coming back to the coast at some point. Anyway, for those who are listening, definitely if anybody wants to champion that, I will help spread the word, contribute anything I can to uh, hopefully one day, you know, we'll stand up a route like you have, just put it out there with some basic information. And as you said, over the coming years, you full well know and expect that people are going to feedback their experiences. The route will improve over time. And, you know, ultimately you get to something that's, that's pretty solid and the most fun and indicative experience that you can have across all these territories. Yeah. And no route can be static. That's what always route developers have to remember. You can't be that uh, stubborn to think that what you made is the best possible solution. hundred percent. Matt, is there anything else you want to shout out or any other help that our listeners can try to crowdsource for you? I think, um, one thing I should mention is that you could, you have you heard of the uh, European, uh, no, the Eastern Divide Trail on bikepacking.com? Yeah. So that one runs from Newfoundland and goes through a bit of the same territory through the East Coast of Canada. And that goes all the way down to Key West. So yeah. if someone has a lot of time on their hands and a lot of energy, you could start in <laughs> Victoria. <laughs> there you and- go, turn right at the end and head down. Well, you would turn right a little earlier, let's say like in New Brunswick <laughs> and go through Maine, but you could combine these two routes and you would have, I just, I can't, even, I mean, Epic's not a word for that. It's just like incredible. That's a, like, that's a, yeah. that's a lifestyle. That's a, that's a life for a number mm-hmm. of years, I would imagine. Yeah. So, and I should mention that I'm actually flying to BC in a couple of weeks to kind of kick off this route. So I'm going to start in. Victoria and see how far I can get on the route in the, in a couple of weeks before I got to fly home again. So that'll okay. be kind of. <laughs> that'll 
That's great. And then is there, is there another section that you would want to tackle as your next, next time you have time? Yeah, I would love to, uh, like to kind of with my idea for this route, I'd love to actually fly to Win- like um, Winnipeg, which is in Manitoba, and then cycle home on the route to Ontario. So that would be through Manitoba, through the U.S. portion, and then through the big portion on Ontario. And I think that would be just an amazing one-way journey on that route. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. Well, I'm super stoked you reached back out, Matt. And I'm, again, happy you're putting this out there and hopefully our listeners well, at bare minimum, go check out the, the just how audacious this route is and this plan. And best case scenario, you can get some locals who will contribute knowledge. And even further, like hopefully someone who's listening will get out there and ride some of it one day. Yeah, maybe uh, there maybe there will be a grand depart. And I always say maybe it would be the winner would just be the one who gets the furthest. <laughs> yeah, of- there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, start June 1st or something in Victoria and let's see who... Who can get the first on the route? (laughs) (laughs) It it sort of reminds me of some documentaries I've watched about sailing around the world. Mm -hmm. And one of them, I watched uh, the gentleman sailor. You made it all the way around the world and then just decided to keep going. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going to to Key West. (laughs) Exactly. That's probably a rider that gets to the end and then comes down the Eastern Divide. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. All right, Matt. Well, great to catch up with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again to talk about this uh, silly project, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Gravel Ride Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Matt and learning more about the great northern bikepacking route. Such a cool plan and so stoked that Matt put up the initial route. And as he said, He's looking for contributions from people who have ridden the route, ridden through some of those provinces. Make sure to reach out to him. You bikepackers know that this is how the bikepacking world works. It's not set a route and forget it. It's a route that constantly evolves. Hopefully one day I'll be lucky enough to ride even just a portion of that route. I know what he talked about in Vancouver sounded super appealing to me, and that's certainly a part of Canada that I love and enjoy so much. Big thanks to our friends at Athletic Greens for continuing to be a long-term supporter of the show. Remember, hit up athleticgreens.com slash the gravel ride to investigate if that's something that would be of interest to you. If you're interested in connecting with me, I encourage you to join the ridership. That's just www.theridership.com. And if you're able to support the show, there's two easy ways to do it. One is simply give us a rating or review. You'd be surprised at how far a good review will travel in terms of getting this podcast noticed by other gravel cyclists. And if you have the wherewithal, please visit buymeacoffee.com slash the gravel ride. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels. <laughs> <laughs>